beautiful people and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Andrew Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Lanita, who is living abroad in Guatemala. Now, Lanita takes us through why she ended up in Guatemala, what it's like to be a foreign service officer, why she feels Guatemala is underrated amongst other Central American and Latin American countries. And finally, she talks about this idea of assimilation versus immersion into new cultures abroad. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right, Lanita, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm I'm happy to be here. So thank you for reaching out and I can't wait to talk about my experience. No, it is absolutely my pleasure. So, Lisa, let's get right to it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. For sure, yeah. So I'm Lanita. Um, I'm currently living in Guatemala City, Guatemala. Um, I, I'll call myself a a 20-something nomad, um, but I'm also a foreign service officer um, in the United States Foreign Service. My background is education, um, but in my personal time, um, I am a mental health advocate and I have a mental health blog. So even though I'm living abroad, I try and mix my passion even while I'm not home and, and still try to advocate for my areas of interest, both um, in my job in Guatemala and then back home. Awesome, awesome. And where are you from in the States? I'm originally from Georgia, so I got a shout out at Atlanta, but I'm from a, a small town in Georgia called Powder Springs. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Peace up, A-Town. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have family in Atlanta and Conyers and in uh, Gainesville, I believe that's where they're at. Uh, what was it to say? So, t- so tell us a little bit about Georgia. So from my experience of being in Georgia, I've been there many times. I, you know, you, we always get this idea of Southern hospitality. So is that what it is? Is that what it's like in Georgia growing up? Let me tell you, um, <laughs> I have a different appreciation for, for Georgia and for Atlanta um, now that I'm older. I actually just watched a VH1 documentary about growing up black in Atlanta, and mm. it gave me all the nostalgia, all the feels, because one thing that, that's unique about Atlanta, and I say Atlanta in particular, um, is the black population there is so thriving and vibrant that to grow up um, in that community was really an honor. And I didn't appreciate it until I left. I, I lived in Chicago, Buenos Aires, Washington, D.C., Spain, Guatemala. But growing up in Atlanta, there's just something so unique about seeing yourself and CEOs and doctors mm. and just really prominent folks um, within your community so you don't think anything twice about about growing up and achieving the best and so you know when you're younger you don't necessarily have that appreciation for it but now that I'm in in a couple months going to be one of the only black diplomats in Guatemala I realized the significance of what it was to grow up in a in a city where like you can reach and achieve all odds and then still have that humility behind it, which I think is very much Southern hospitality, very, you know, thankful to, to your situation, thankful to your experience and always, you know, keeping God, keeping the universe at the top of, of your, 
your day and just making sure you're being a good person and whatever success you found yourself in. So that's that's how I like to refer to it as Atlanta. I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I, it got me thinking of like other major cities in the U.S. Right, and I feel like you know in my travels, I'm from New York. I'm from New York City, so I don't. Like, I don't view New York as being predominantly black or Latino or whatever the case may be. It's a melting pot, as they say, but it's also very segregated as well. One of the most segregated cities in the United States. But then, you like you said, you have, the, you have Atlanta, where is this predominantly black city, like you said, but you see these people in these positions. So if you go to New York City, yeah, you're going to see a lot of black, Latinos, Asians. But if you go into Manhattan... You're gonna see a lot more white people, right? Where all those yeah. jobs or the corporate jobs are at. So you're not you're seeing yourself in the everyday folk, but you're not necessarily seeing yourself in the positions that you might aspire to be. And that's yeah. when you kind of see the segregation. I'm glad you you mentioned that point. I didn't even, I never even thought about that as far as like you seeing yourself in this city that's just that's very vibrant. And again, everyone knows what happened in the elections in the 2020 elections, how big Georgia was yes. on the map, and like that's now a feature, right? Like now. You're you're in the, you're on the map as far as politics is concerned as well as far as the national level that people didn't think would be possible right until that moment happened. But um, all right, so let's go right into how you got into Guatemala, and I'm very glad you got on this because why Guatemala? What brought you to Guatemala? Actually, it was not my choice, and so ah, okay. being a part of the foreign <laughs> service, um, your first tour they call it where you serve abroad is actually chosen for you mm. but um i was granted or i was um awarded a fellowship in 2017 it's called the pain international development fellowship and um folks who apply um and are awarded kind of get these really amazing benefits you have two summer internships they pay for your master's degree and it's a a, an immediate entry into the foreign service and so one of my uh one of my during one of my internships i actually served in guatemala and i've always spoken spanish in undergrad um i was a double major international communications and hispanic studies like i said earlier i lived in argentina i lived in spain so when i got guatemala i was really excited because you know for me there's no language barrier um i was ready to do the work and so when i was joining the foreign service officially um they told me for four weeks you're going to ghana you're going to ghana I'm like <laughs> all right cool bet i'm excited it's lit let's do it and then the day before Um, They have a thing called Flag Day where they give you a flag of where you're going, but they tell you where you're going first so you don't cry in front of everybody. (laughs) And so I go into the room like, y'all have told me for the last four weeks I'm going to Ghana. Just let me know. And then they go, Lanita, we have you down for dramatic pause. Guatemala. And I'm like, what? They got their G's mixed up at the office. I thought y'all said Ghana. They're like, look, we have you down for Guatemala. Is this fine? I'm like, yeah, of course. I've I've lived here before. And so even though now You lived in Guatemala before? Yeah, that's where I did my first internship. Okay, the internship got it. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful that I got an a a chance to experience Guatemala not once but twice because Mm. what I think people don't know about the country beyond its absolute like stunning natural beauty out of any um, Latin American or Hispanic uh, Hispanohablante country that I've been to, they are the most kind, amicable, 
just respectful people. And I think being from the South, I connected so deeply Mm. to the culture because um, I'm kind of a nerd with regards to like the Spanish language because I studied it. But Mm. even simple phrases when you say gracias here, thank you, they reply a la orden. And there's just a, there's such a respect of like saying at your service, at your service. Con gusto, like with pleasure, mm-hmm. that I think I. Really Damn, your Spanish is really good. Like you sound, <laughs> your Spanish sounds very fluid and like very natural. I was like, wow, speaks probably speaks better Spanish than I do. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken it all my life, so I think being from the south, like even just the small nuances and like waking up and asking somebody, like here they ask you, like, oh, how did you wake up? How was your coffee this morning? Like, there's a, a mindfulness in the way that people treat each other here that I think I have a really deep appreciation for. Awesome, awesome. Sounds great. So you you grew up speaking Spanish your whole life, you said. So what exactly is your background? I'm african-american but my parents were really really big on travel when they were young they're Mm. both from my mom um my parents one is from philly one is from chicago but they grew up you know not having these experiences and so they introduced me to languages mad early like french and spanish (laughs) and i just had a love for them i had a love for them in high school i studied spanish french and chinese and i just kept it going so it worked out. <laughs> damn. I mean, th- th- see, I'm glad you said, because the way I phrased the question was, damn, your Spanish is really good. Do you have, like, Spanish in your background, like a, a Hispanic background? Or, you know, yeah. to some degree, because I don't, it's not often, maybe you could t- attest this a little bit, that I hear African-Americans and my black friends that, let's say, they learn some Spanish, that they speak Spanish the way you do. <laughs> yeah, I swear, if I had if I had a penny for everybody that told me, ¿Y por qué tú hablas español? I'd be like a millionaire right now because it's so uncommon. But I'm grateful because my parents really instilled like the ability to travel and how language kind of bridges this these connections between people that they enrolled me in language camps super early in my life. And I just kept going with it because that was like one of the only things that I just felt an immediate connection to was languages. What a beautiful thing. I mean, it literally opened your horizons and opened opportunities for yourself, right? And then also for you to be comfortable in these locations where you can, again, interact culturally and engage with the community in, in that kind of way. So that's just, I mean, that's awesome. All right, so you're a foreign service officer. I know nothing about this job or what entails. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. what is that? What do you do? <laughs> exactly. Listen, you are not alone. It wasn't until I applied for this scholarship that I, too, um, didn't know what a foreign service officer was. Um, there's there's a lot of different kinds. Um, the organization I work um, for is Development um, Diplomacy. And so as an education officer, um, my background is kind of youth workforce development, positive youth development. So making sure youth are um, sitting at the table, making decisions for themselves and their own change. And so I work with organizations um, that that work with youth and just kind of give my technical expertise to make sure any activities that we have around, you know, getting youth vocational training or offering them um, opportunities outside of immigrating from their community, making sure that the activities are technically sound and kind of building relationships with both the youth and the non, not or NGOs um, or organizations that are kind of helping the youth in that space. So it's pretty cool. And I did not know about it, um, but it just kind of 
it gives an alternative to just like political diplomacy where you might think of we're out there um, asking laws to be changed right, or doing right. visa visa work. You know, that's a part of diplomacy. But the de- the development aspect focuses on real development challenges that these these countries are having, whether it be economic, health challenges, education challenges, kind of the whole gamut. And what was your degree in in undergrad? Yeah, undergrad, it was in international slash intercultural communications and Hispanic studies. But then I got my master's in international training and education. So just a fancy way of saying like (laughs) designing, designing curriculum. That's, I mean, I mean, first of all, that is, I mean, I'm a teacher as well. That just sounds like some really like life-changing stuff that, that you're doing just based on that description alone i'm sure anyone listening is like damn i want to do that <laughs> i, I want to make a difference in people's lives damn that sounds nice it's really no that's really dope because here i am as a teacher and like i feel like i make a difference right as being an educator but you know yeah. the, the kids that i teach they're gonna be okay even if i wasn't their teacher like these are very well-off individuals right like so i want the, the elite of costa rica that i interact yeah. with and for the most part People that apply to international schools, these schools are, you know, for profit for the most part. Yeah. And so the kids you're teaching are kids that are have the resources to attend these, you know, prestigious schools in, in their countries. So I so it's not I feel like it has to be different feeling knowing that the people that you're working with, considering the description you're giving, are people that do need, you know, the services yeah. that you're providing. And so speak about that. What does it feel like to be in that kind of space to know for a fact that you indeed are making a difference? That's such a good question. And it's something well, that <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, because it's funny, before this experience, I was in corporate sales. So I sold I sold chips before this career, <laughs> God, which is okay. so crazy to me because it's such a change, but I had such an impactful ex- experience that led me here right. that when I think of the youth that I'm working with, um, it's funny, you, you are like excited that they're getting they're getting assistance they're starting businesses they're getting these like culinary classes excel classes they're building skills but something that always keeps me awake when I'm driving through kind of rural areas I'm always looking at like where are the schools or like why are we not in this town like we're not doing enough and so I think it's a really it's a hard juxtaposition of knowing that Mm. your programming works but knowing that not everybody is getting the the assistance that they need not every kid is in school not every kid is not at risk of immigrating and so it's a tough balance to keep yourself in line as a development practitioner of just kind of okay you're doing what you can don't burn out don't don't get yourself down but also finding ways to continue to expand opportunities continue to bring connections to the communities and stuff like that right 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 it sounds dope it just maybe you mentioned that juxtaposition it makes me think about like the bubbles that we can be in when we're abroad, right? And and, yeah. and depending like what what field you work in. And I just mentioned my field. So I feel like I'm in a in a bubble where I only interact with individuals that, you know, that the sons of they're the sons of diplomats, the sons of people in political the whole political office here in Costa Rica, you know, sons and daughters and things like yeah. that. And people that have been to more countries that I can dream of ever going and they're mm-hmm. ten years old. You know, so, so, yeah. so and they speak better Spanish than I do, or they speak a third language, right? These these yeah. kinds of privilege of individuals that I that I deal with on a day day basis. But yet, because I'm in that bubble, 
is it's I had to remind myself that I'm still in a developing nation that is Costa Rica, mm-hmm. that this yeah. represents the the one percent of people in Costa Rica. This does not represent Costa Rica, and I, I think it could you could flip that right in your situation in Guatemala, where of I, I mean obviously you're gonna be the expert in this, but that there's obviously people in need. But yeah. when people think of Guatemala, and I think this happens with a lot of uh, developing nations, especially in Latin America, and I'm I'm Dominican, so I can also attest to this. Where it's like you view these countries as being you know, third, quote unquote, third world countries, and all right, they're just dirt poor, and yeah. and oh, they're naturally beauty. But guess what? They do still have some kind of infrastructure in place, and it might not be going to those in need as as you know one might think or might want it to be. But there's more to it than just all right. This is a poor country that needs my yeah. help. Because I think what can happen in that situation is that you can develop this kind of savior complex where because of me, like they need me, versus well, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm giving a helping hand. Right. Yeah. And I so just speak more about what what I'm saying right now. Cause I think you can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can. And I'll just share a bit about my experience of how I even got into this field. Cause mm-hmm. like I said, I came from I came from corporate. I came from very different experiences and 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 full, you know, transparency. As much as my parents did to expose me to travel, I traveled to very well off countries. I studied mm-hmm. abroad in Spain. I studied abroad in Argentina, I, I, I traveled to Europe, and there were very um, vanilla experiences <laughs> of what the world is, and, right. and it's eye-opening in one way, but it's not the reality of most of the world, and it wasn't right. until I had an experience, I went on a mission trip to Burkina Faso um, to help, you know, build a school with a nonprofit organization, and I go to this kind of rural village in Burkina Faso, and we're talking about, you know, schools where, like, people's parents aren't even able to read or write their name, and we're signing a contract for, like, making sure that the community ensures gender parity, and people are using their thumbprints for signing, but, like, there's a real understanding for community members about the importance of education, but it wasn't until that experience, and even so, um, surprisingly, and this is kind of what led me into this field, on my last day of that trip, I survived a terrorist attack, and in all of my travels, you don't talk about that. You don't talk about the the legitimacy and the realness of traveling to developing nations mm-hmm. because if you are interacting with that one, that two percent of the wealthy in the countries you're going to, whether they be developing or not, you can find yourself in that bubble and not know what to do. And so I was so impacted by my experience of surviving something like that and then to later learn the the people who who performed the act were youth they were kids like no long no more than 18 it was a real eye-opening experience to me because when i had traveled before i only saw the best of 18 year olds i only saw the the wealthiest of youth and it was such a contrast wow i mean that's i mean i have no words i mean (laughs) this is just this is uh i mean that's 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 the real right that that's literally the real, and that's why I'm glad we're we're talking about this because one thing about this podcast and just in general is that, you know, living abroad is a beautiful thing. Like, right? Don't yeah. get it twisted. It's a very beautiful thing. But things you experience are not always so beautiful, right? Like, just because abroad doesn't mean that you know you might not get robbed. You know, that something bad yeah. might happen to you, or in worst case scenario, like you just mentioned, you might experience a fucking terrorist attack. 
Like, <laughs> like that's wild to even c- consider that that is a possibility. Like you said, when you do travel to developing nations, so I do think this kind of you, you have to be um, what's the word? You have to be like logical, right? Use your your reasoning yeah. of like, okay, I know Burkina Faso. I'm not. I'm. I, this could, like you said, this is a, a remote possibility, but possibly nonetheless. That doesn't mean that you can't travel, right, to Burkina Faso because right. of X, Y, and Z. You have to know where to go. You have to know who can, you know, watch you, take care of you kind of stuff. So it's like, it's just, like you said, being smart and, of course, <laughs> knowing where you are and what what, what what could possibly happen. But, all right, so now uh, back to Guatemala. What yes. are you thinking about now that you've already experienced it? Are you like, I need to get this out of it now because I already did X, Y, and Z my first time? What was going through your mind? You know, that's crazy. I got it, and I was honestly thinking... So part of the foreign service that I think most people are are both excited and scared of is, is developing a community and joining your community and building one in which you feel comfortable with. So immediately, I'm like, okay, I already know some people. I already know the lay of the land. That lessens my initial culture shock that I'll experience in moving there. But I'll tell you, as the pandemic hit... I couldn't have been more pleased to be returning to to somewhere I already knew because had I gone to Ghana, I would have moved in the middle of this craziness right. and known absolutely no one. Whereas I know where I was coming back to Guatemala. I know what's up. I speak the language. I'm not going to be a fish out of water. And for my first foreign service tour, it was just a big sigh of relief that I think I feel really blessed to have experienced because it's so rare that you get to go to the same country twice. Right, right, right. That that, that does sound like a very rare thing. People I speak to, I live abroad multiple places, they don't go back to the same place, right? It's like yeah. you experience other places. That is kind of crazy. All right, so, now, you know, you live you in Guatemala Guatemala City, correct? Yes. So, yep. so of course, is, is that considered, is that the capital? It is. Okay, mm-hmm. so you live in the capital of Guatemala. Most capitals around the world, people think of capitals, you think of like obviously big cities and places that, all right, this is where things are happening, right? I always tell people this about Costa Rica. San Jose is not where things are happening. Nobody likes coming to San Jose. Nobody, (laughs) oh, you've been to Costa Rica before? I have. Not where anything yeah, is happening. Nothing is happening. And again, I love Costa Rica and those that are Costa Rica listen to this, they agree. <laughs> like I speak of yes. Ticos all the time. They're like, yeah, San Jose is, is whack. And it just is. I'm sorry. It's just so corny. <laughs> Nothing's happening in San Jose. Everything's happening ar- around it, near it, yeah. not in San Jose. All right. So yeah. Guatemala City, is it like that or what? Tell me about Guatemala City. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny because that is exactly how I felt when I went to Costa Rica. I was like, I got to get up out of here. Yeah, so Guatemala City is interesting. It depends on what you're coming to Guatemala for. And so I always preface that because um, I like natural, I like hiking, I like water things, I like seeing water. So for me, it is a bit of a pain to live in the city because anything I want to do is like two to eight hours away Mm. driving. That being said, Guatemala City is such a huge food scene, which is so crazy. So, like, what people normally do for fun is just go eat, go have drinks. Um, Sunday is the big family day. And so Guatemala City is also, like, a very exercising city. So everybody's, like, running and walking and doing all of that stuff. But it just depends on what you're into. Like, I really like going to see the natural wonders of Guatemala. And so I try and make time to do that. But it's a nice blend. I think for someone moving to a country for their first time, 
in Central America, Guatemala City is a good starter city because I just call it Southern Texas because <laughs> there's KFC, there's TGI Fridays, PF Chang's. Like, I don't feel that much of culture shock on my day-to-day basis. I mean, will you just explain? The way you explain this sounds exactly where I live right now in Costa Rica. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> seriously. Everything you just said, like, yep, people people love to exercise here. Here in the city. Yes. There's still certain things you can see nature-wise that are not too far away. And there's obviously the ones that are two, four hours away. And, yeah, you still have your KFC. There's literally McDonald's across the street from where I live. Yep. <laughs> I tried not to eat there. but <laughs> And it's just, yeah. it, it's so, but that's, a, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I really think that people need to understand like what globalization is like, like, you know, and the superpower that is, you know, America and Western values and Western ideals. And obviously Guatemala, Costa Rica is on the Western hemisphere. So it's much easier yeah. for those things to travel to these places. Right. So I think yeah. what people think of, uh, uh, I can say this for, for Costa Rica, people think of Costa Rica as being very Americanized because many expats, you know, white yes. American expats live in Costa Rica. So it seems like, ah, you know, I'll be all right there. And you will, you will. Guatemala, I'm not sure if that's spoken in the same lexicon or the same volume, right? As like, yeah, I want to go to Guatemala City versus like, oh, I want to go to Guatemala versus I want to go to Costa Rica. So now that you you live there, you've experienced it, you speak to expats, right? You speak to locals and people, you know, that, that are traveling. What is it about Guatemala, in your opinion, that doesn't put it on the same, let's call it hype level as, let's say, a Costa Rica or some other country? Um, I think that's a good question. What's interesting, though, before I get into that, people do hype up Antigua. Ah, that Antigua is true. Antigua is, is true. like 45 <laughs> minutes away. But again, it's not to the same level of like, I'm about to like ball out in Costa Rica versus like, oh, I'm about to hit Antigua. Like, you're not hearing right. you're not hearing that from anyone. But I will say, I think, unfortunately, um, the, the caravan situation and the gang violence that has been his, like historical here has made folks think and see uh, Guatemala as incredibly dangerous, as mm. unable to, to walk around. And I will admit, when I was here in 2018, I did feel a lot more uneasy walking in the, walking, you know, in the streets, just existing versus now. Um, but I just think media hasn't caught up to the to the situation. And there's also a piece of like, I don't think it needs to. Like, mm. I think that there's a very richness um, of the secrecy of Guatemala, of the Mayan culture, of the food, of the people, of the natural wonders that like, I've been seeing more and more people come here, like travel influencers, but I also am seeing that they're not, they're doing the same thing. They're going to the lake, they're going to Antigua, but there's so much more richness and like the Mayan stories, like visiting Chichicastenango, Quetzaltenango, Sheila, that like the average traveler may not, might not dive into that but i also will say it is incredibly difficult to get around guatemala if you don't speak spanish Mm. like i don't know how people do it and so maybe those are some of the reasons that it doesn't get hyped up because you can go to costa rica and not speak a lick of spanish and be be, okay yeah you'd be fine (laughs) yeah not here here you will be finagled bamboozled all those things see and it's so it's so funny because like i could imagine guatemala given it's you know 
closest to Costa Rica and just the region in general, that it probably looks a lot like Costa Rica in its beauty. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure it does. Just like I think about DR and Haiti. It's the same yeah. fucking island. It's going to have yeah. the same natural beauty. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's going to like it's gonna feel different because the, pe- yeah. the people and, of course, when we're talking about socioeconomic status, and you said safety, that's a, that's like a real thing, right? I don't want to be this yeah. kind of guy that's like, all right, now nah, you'll be all right. You know, you got to go, you know, you, you got to you know, be a patron to these countries. No, like you said, safety is a real issue and you want to be mm-hmm. safe, especially when you're on fucking vacation. So yeah. um, it, it, I'm glad you're, you're speaking to that. But like you said, media hasn't caught up, right? And it's yeah. always the case when it comes to places like a Guatemala or some, let's say, some other places where it's always it like it takes a lot to change that I feel because Costa Rica, Costa Rica has like I think the most cases right now in Central America is <laughs> like is the worst right now, but yeah. Costa Rica is still considered you know Costa Rica pura vida, yeah. right? Yeah. So people are like ah fuck it, <laughs> you know I what I'm saying? Anyway. Right. Versus yeah. if you have a, if if this same thing is happening in Guatemala. You really are not gonna have people going. You know what I'm like? Wait, the pandemic and the things that I already that That's I think crazy, I know about Guatemala. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy how you have like a narrative, right? Whether how close that is to reality or not, that that re- and how much you know these countries rely on the tourism right sector. Yeah, and obviously because the closest of the U.S. So it's like, damn, we got we got to keep this up, right? So it, it's just kind of crazy how. The U.S. influences a lot, not just in the way you spoke about Guatemala City and things that are there, but also the people that go there. Right? The, the, tra- exactly. the travelers is so is so wild. Um, but right, so you, you've experienced Guatemala City, and how would you? So you compared it to like you mentioned that you you know you've stu- you've been to Spain and stuff like that. What do you like about Guatemala City in particular compared to like other big cities that are that are more developed? I love that question. Um, I'm really big on um, maintaining indigenous history, especially when countries have been colonized. So the fact that every single day I can walk out of my door and although Guatemala City is still predominantly um, like white passing Latinos, you can still see Latinos, indigenous um, people, people wearing their indigenous wear, their huipiles, their the traditional um clothing um indigenous language is still spoken the dishes that are still present here i think the fact that they've been able to maintain mayan culture despite having been colonized and even despite um the brutal civil war that they experienced Mm. is really something that i hadn't expected to see but i'm really grateful for wow I, I mean, again, you hit it on points. I'm, I'm like, I'm comparing it to Costa Rica, and like, yeah. those are the things that you definitely don't see here. It's <laughs> in the same in the Central Valley. None of those things you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, and I think about how that affects someone like us. That you know, we we grew up, we were born and raised in American culture, and everyone around the fucking world knows what American culture is, or has an idea of like the the stereotypical American, right? That's that's living in the states, and obviously you have your your bubbles depending where you're located in the states. But when you travel abroad, especially when you live abroad, you, you, you get a good feel for what the culture is, right? And I think yeah. with Costa Rica, <laughs> the, what's associated with Costa Rica above everything else is Pura Vida, is that everybody is chill. But beyond that, Costa Rica, I was talking to this with, with, a, with a local, Costa Rica doesn't have really much else. There's like a wheel in Costa Rica, I forgot what it's called, but there's not much else that you're like, yep, I recognize that as Costa Rican. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, yep. and I and I really wonder how much of that is like the history of the country, which I'm not too familiar with. And like you said, there's also white passing Latinos here as well, like myself. Yeah. Um, and it's just, and I think they also love America. Like my yeah. biggest gripe with Costa Rica, and I'm, I don't know if this is the case of Guatemala, is that whenever I go to bars, they always play songs in English. And I must be going to the oh, wrong bars because wow. that's like... There's like a thing. I'm being serious. Like I go, I've been to many bars here and I hear music in English more than I do in Spanish. And most wow. of the time also these songs are fucking covers. I'm like, what? Is it copyright for them to play the actual song? Like, why am I hearing this terrible cover? This and also when you go to tourist towns, you always hear like reggae jazz versions of like pop songs. It's yes. the most ridiculous thing and most uh, vanilla, the, the most vanilla thing I've ever felt. I'm like, yo, like, I'm yeah. sure you got some local musicians that could fucking play something right now. You know, like, not it, at all. That is not the case here. Right. So tell seriously. me about Guatemala. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I haven't been out that much since the panty, but um, in my past <laughs> experiences, I mean, seriously, if you don't speak Spanish here, I, I really don't know how you get around. And that's something that I love because I think. When I think about living abroad, my biggest, uh, it's a challenge, but my biggest um, hope is that I can immerse, not assimilate, mm. but immerse. Mm. And so for me, as much as I've spoken Spanish all of my life, there are some days where like, it's it's not my first language, it's a struggle. But like, I'm living here, I'm appreciating the culture and the, and the language for what it is, and that's my reality. I don't speak English outside of the house because people are going to look at me like, girl, no, like we don't speak that. Mm. Um, the one thing I would like to see more of, so a lot of people don't know also, Guatemala has a black population, a black indigenous population of uh, people called Garifuna. Mm. And it's so interesting la uh, for Black History Month for our embassy community, I hosted a virtual concert of Garifuna music. And so after we had some people of Garifuna descent talk about their experience in Guatemala City, and they are looked at as, where are you from? Why do you speak Spanish? And I just can't imagine feeling that in a country that I'm from. Right. And so it's just interesting to see the blending of cultures here, both Mayan, Indigenous, Garifuna, um, and other cultures that are here, but I don't, outside of the commercial businesses, I don't really see that much of American influence except for from the wealthy. Right, and right. And that, that's a very particular, like, subset of the culture. Right, that's interesting. And the Garifuna also are, are, are uh, people that are descendants from the Garifuna. Uh, what, what do you call it, community? What, what will you... They're, so they're from um, three different countries, principally um, Belize, Honduras, right, and I Guatemala. Say that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Right. Yeah, right. but yeah. they have uh, African descendants from Nigeria. Awesome, awesome, yeah. So um, you, you mentioned this thing about assimilation and immersion. So what? Yeah. So you, what's the difference between those two? Um, that's so funny. When I was younger, being being black but loving foreign languages so much I always used to get really upset that like oh I'm so good at these languages like no one can even tell the difference but like I'm just black and it was so annoying mm. um but now that I'm older and 
I just have this deep, robust love for being Black. I think there's a really cool way to blend my love for foreign languages, love for travel through the immersive experience. So trying new foods, learning new words, spending time with um, families here, locals here. And then the non-assimilation part is then sharing the richness of my culture with them. So um, one of the women that helps me around my house uh, she helps me cook and she cooks her traditional dishes. So the number one dish here in Guatemala is called pepion and it's like a peanut chicken stew. But I remember come Thanksgiving, um, I started cooking macaroni and cheese and stuffing and some of the things that are native to my black Southern culture. And there was a richness in sharing that experience with her because I wasn't assimilating. I wasn't saying, oh, I'm only going to make Guatemalan traditional dishes for mm. Dia de Acción de Gracias. I'm going to use this moment to teach someone who is from the Guatemalan culture what is a part of my own and learn what's a part of theirs. And there's there's the exchange that happens in immersion right. that doesn't right. happen with assimilation. That's a beautiful way of, of, putting, of saying that. No, I think that's, I mean... You hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's the beauty of if you want it to be that way, right, of, of living abroad. You can choose yeah. to, one, like you said, assimilate, right, which is kind of, I, I, you can look at it like as a tier system almost, right, of one, you yeah. stay in a bubble, all right, what I like to call the expat bubble, where you only interact with expats, and I think I'm there. I'm in that tier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, even though I'm Latino and I, I, I speak the language and I understand I feel, I'm still there, unfortunately, um, but then you have, you know, that tier two where I think is assimilation where it's like, all right, I'm doing the things like do it as the Romans do, right? Like I'm doing yeah. the things as a local. But then there's tier three, like you said, that immersion where you have that culture exchange where they like you, you said it so beautifully. Like you said, this this idea of loving who you are, you loving being black is like I yeah. can still share anyone living abroad that has their culture. Everyone has, has their own culture, right? So for you to share that makes you appreciate your culture even more. Right. Exactly. And then you you're literally opening the eyes of others by doing so, because at the end of the day, you have something to offer them, but they also have something to offer you. And to me, there's nothing more beautiful than that. We're talking about just, you know, community, right, of, of human beings uh, living, you know, wherever the fuck we are, we're, we're living. So I, I, I do think of it as like a tier system. Now that you think about like, all right, your bubble, you're assimilating yep. or you, you're, you're doing the immersion thing. And that's really a beautiful thing. All right. I could talk to you forever, Lanita. I really could. <laughs> this is just really, really dope shit. All right. But this is going to be the, the final, the, unfortunately, the final segment of the podcast. So I have some lightning round questions. Bet. And let's see how you do. Bet. I like it. Bet. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Favorite place in Guatemala? Flores. Where's that at? It's at the tippity top. Most people go to Tikal, but I went to this off the beaten path, like water hole, I don't know, in the middle of someone's backyard farm. And it was the most beautiful thing, but it's in Flores and the, the water hole is called La Cotusa. La Cotusa. Yeah. La Cotusa. What is that? What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. I have no idea, okay. <laughs> but I do know we got our Jeep stuck in the mud for two and a half hours for the experience, so it was worth it. <laughs> All right, you guys send me a picture of that place, La Cotusa. It sounds cool. It sounds like a cool place. All right, least favorite place in Guatemala? Hmm. Guatemala City. <laughs> <laughs> 
damn where you live. Shit. <laughs> I need to be my water, and that's not happening right now. But I still love it, though. I still love it. F- all right. Favorite Guatemalan uh, saying or phrase? Oh, that's a hard one. Favorite phrase. Only hard question on this podcast. <laughs> I know. Hold on. Let me think on that. I'm going to come back to that one. because right. really, uh, Ay, Dios Santo. There it is. Dios Santo. <laughs> Really? Va with a V or or a B? Oh wait, sorry. No, I know exactly what my favorite phrase is, and it is so whack. It's so whack. Let's hear it. They they say si pues, si pues. Like (laughs) yeah, if you're just responding, you're like oh si pues. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And it's just so fun to me. Si pues, yeah, si pues. That sounds fun. (laughs) Definitely never use that, but <laughs> now you gotta throw it in. Now I gotta, I gotta throw it in every now and then. Yeah, I spoke to Guatemala. They say si pues, so now I'm gonna use it. <laughs> yep, si pues. And then that's how they say, like they'll tell you, oh, like tu eres chapina, like your your real Guatemalan chapina is like the word that they use, mm. not Guatemalteca. If you're ah, really okay. from there, so got it'll it, help it. you out. Sounds good. What's the first thing you tell people about Guatemala when they ask you? Um, the people here are very kind and loving. All right. I'm a huge energy person. And so that's one of the top things I look for when I travel. All right. And final, final question. What would you like people to know about this little place called Guatemala? I love that. Um, I think it's really important being being black and and being a, a descendant of the African diaspora to me is really important when cultures can keep their their culture alive when folks can keep their culture alive after the just hatred that comes with colonization in Guatemala um, although there are struggles with the social inclusion of it, it's rich. And I think if you take the time to to travel through Guatemala and get to know um, the indigenous roots, the, the different languages that are present here, um, and the story of, of how wonderful this land is, I think it leaves you walking away just feeling like, wow, these people are really strong. And, and for that reason, they're able to come to you so kind, so caring, so loving, because um, a fighter is in their, in their nature, but so is the kindness that comes along with it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Lanita. I most definitely did. Um, she said a lot of amazing things, and I really could have spoken to her for much longer, <laughs> given our discussion and where it was going. Um, we didn't get to touch on mental health. She didn't mention that she did that, so I'm I'm, I'm a little bit upset of myself that I didn't get to touch on that, but I'm sure I'll have her on again some other time. <laughs> but no, she mentioned this idea, really, of uh, assimilation versus immersion, and that definitely stuck with me. And it, I, I really look at it as like this kind of tier system where you have kind of, you know, you, you don't assimilate, right? You stay in a bubble, the expat bubble, um, where you don't really venture out much. Then you have this assimilation where you assimilate to your new culture, but then I feel like she said that that third tier that kind of to really go deep into it is this is the immersion 
where you exchange with the culture that you're a part of, right, while you're living abroad. And then you have that cultural exchange where they get to think know things about your culture. And I think us expats, us people that are living abroad, you know, might think that, oh, why, why does anyone want to learn about, especially if you're American, American culture? Everyone knows about American culture. But the way you present American culture is going to look very different than the way someone else presents American culture. Especially, right, given your, your, you know, maybe your race or ethnicity or where you grew up in America, right? America is a huge-ass country. So it's going to look very different, your American culture, compared to my American culture. So I think we kind of, and also we want to dispel stereotypes, right, of American culture. And that's the way you do that through that immersion, through that, through that cultural exchange. Because I'm sure uh, I, as an expat and, you know, other expats, we hold stereotypes of the places that we're in, right? We, we think that, oh, Costa Ricans are like this, Germans are like this, uh, Guatemalans are like this, right, whatever. And we have to dispel that by immersing ourselves, not just assimilating, right, but like you said, but immersing oneself in the culture and making sure that a culture exchange actually happens. Because um, I think that's where the, the the real, real deep shit occurs, where you learn more about yourself, you appreciate the things about yourself and your culture, but also get get uh, have a great appreciation for the culture that you're learning about and that you're living in, right, while you're abroad. So I think this thing is really, really dope, and I really enjoy that. But yeah, so... This was not planned uh, to have uh, someone in Guatemala. I just, you know, I just do things on the cu- off the cuff. You know, I, I just, I improvise. I find cool people that I think you guys would enjoy and I would enjoy talking to. And I have them on. So I don't know who I'm going to have on next week. This is a very busy time of the year. <laughs> school year is ending. I'm in the midst of doing two assignments for my grad school program, which are is kicking my ass a little bit right now. Um, yeah, so it's very busy right now. So I'm trying to, you know, still be consistent with this. But if I miss a week, please forgive me. And yeah, we'll see who I have on and what I talk about. (laughs) As always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other fair stream platforms. And don't forget to follow my Instagram at Abroad. See you next week or the next. (laughs) This is Abroad. Peace.